Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 6, Episode 12. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And the film that we're going to talk about tonight is... Mid-90s. Mid-90s. Now, I didn't even know the name of the film. No. Um, before you just said it then. Yeah, we didn't have a preamble, did we? No, we were too busy talking computers. Yes, we were. <laughs> <laughs> So, just based entirely on the title, and I can tell you that I haven't heard of it before, um, I am going to guess that mid-90s is a romantic comedy costume drama set in the mid-90s, which is in the tradition of these modern um, period dramas from times like the 70s, like um, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. When's that from? Uh, That's 70s, yeah. 70s Um, you know so it's like it's full of the texture of of the 90s okay Um, yeah it's is that what it is it's yeah you're in the ballpark I suppose in that it it is a costume drama okay okay and it is set in the mid 90s okay but it's not a rom-com okay Um, but first but first (laughs) we have some news oh yeah we have a comment on the blog Ah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Shall I read it out and then you can respond to it? Yes. Yeah. This is a comment from Harry. It says, he says, I thought the film was visually stunning. Sorry, we're talking about Ad Astra. This is a comment on the blog under Ad Astra. Yes, it is. Yeah. And and Harry says, I thought the film, I assume it's he. I thought the film was visually stunning, but lacked a story. And I needed more explanation about the father and the mission. I also thought that the monkey on the space station was unneeded, but I wasn't really bothered. I don't think it was a monkey, Harry. No, it's a baboon. It's a baboon? Yeah. I think that was just a disparaging <laughs> yeah. um, phrase. Whatever, yeah. Just dismissing <clears throat> the baboon <clears throat> as a mere monkey. Okay. Um, That's what Harry thought. Yeah, I think uh, visually stunning, I definitely acknowledge that it is visually stunning. Um, I think maybe the story is a little bit weak in places. Um, I'm not sure about... I think that more explanation of the father would not have been particularly helpful. It just made it worse. Yeah, probably. Uh, And I really enjoyed the stuff on the space station with the baboon. I thought it was really creepy (laughs) and messed up. (laughs) So I've been watching a bit more of The Expanse. Oh, yeah. Which I know that you tried again and didn't like. I did. I tried again... Uh, with mm-hmm. the first episode, and I remembered why I didn't like it in the first place. Oh, so you only watched the first episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think there's a few, somewhere in there, a few episodes in, I think there's some good ones. I'm getting to the end of season two, and frankly, I can no longer see the point. Oh, dear. Um, oh, yeah. th- so that took a nosedive but, pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my favourite character hasn't featured in it for a number of episodes, because uh, he's either died or become part of the Borg. Right. Um, probably the latter eventually. <laughs> um, but the thing is that my Amazon Prime subscription is going to run out in about like, about two weeks. Oh no! So I I have to watch season three because I'm on a deadline, and uh, so I I have to, <sighs> um, despite not really being interested in. But you might be disappointed. You might think, well, I wish I'd use my subscription to watch something else. Yeah, you told me to watch The Boys, didn't you? Yes, I did. You should watch that yeah. instead. But the thing is that I've started The Expanse. I can't just not finish it. Well, okay. I'm I'm silently <laughs> judging you. <laughs> okay, well, the thing is that um, I, one thing that happened is that a friend uh, of my wife said that she was kind of considering uh, reading the books or watching it and decided not to bother, largely because she... She knew that the, the the bloke had written like nine or twelve books or some stupid number like that. So if she was gonna like it, so basically the story's not going to end properly. It's always just going to carry on to the next. Okay. One. Yeah. And I would say that that is a big flaw of the expanse. That they, there's this sense. There's always this sense that the mysteries are going to get resolved and and things are going to get fixed or broken or whatever. But actually, it's always just that there's another episode coming, kind of thing. Right. Even at the end of the season, so yeah, yeah, a bit disappointing. But I like the, uh, I like the spaceships and the explosions and 
the mobile phones that so project things. So my take on 3D. it is, I found it to be over-designed. Right. Um, and uh, a bit dramatically inert. Yeah. Um, and I did, you know, I did try. I did try. And I watched the whole whole of that first episode again. And, <laughs> How big of you? And I just didn't. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't enjoy it again. So. That's all right. Yeah, uh, I understand. I mean, I think you've saved yourself, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, my probably my favourite band in the world is Tool, uh-huh. who are frequently described as massively overproduced. Right. Okay. So maybe I just like that. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's fair dues. If you like, if yeah. if that's what floats your boat. That's so, cool. listener. If you if you're on the lookout for new music, um, I highly recommend Tool. Cool. Talking of new music, mm-hmm. um, I know we won't really, but I am going to. Um, I've <laughs> never been never been known to not hijack a, a subject with something about <laughs> something that I've been doing. Um, <laughs> That's what we're here for. Well, so it, don't apologise. Exactly. Yes, this is a tangential <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, I received uh, as a birthday gift over the weekend a copy of Happy Birthday. Thank you. Um, 21 again pardon 21 again yes indeed yeah um, I received a copy of uh, Primal Screams uh, the Memphis Sessions which is right uh, which is that, that ages you it does <laughs> yeah so this this is the original versions of the sessions for their album Give Out But Don't Give Up which was their follow up to Screamadelica which is you know now kind of um, classic yeah, rave rave it. era um, right. album, terrific album, Screaming Delica. But they followed that up with a with a an album called "Don't Give Out But Don't Give Up," which I are they from Bristol? Uh, no, they're from Scotland. Oh, okay. I'm confusing them with people like Massive Attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, they're not to be confused with. Them, no, I definitely suppose. not. No. Okay. Um, and "Give Out But Don't Give Up" is an, a hugely underwhelming sort of old school stodgy rock album okay this is from a rave style band yes are they, normally? well no okay. i mean they started out as a rock band okay and they kind of reinvented themselves for rave culture with with screamadelica and then they went back okay. to the kind of rock music okay for give out but don't give up um right. which is quite dull but a couple of years ago the guitarist found the original sessions from those recordings okay. which were never released Okay. Because the record company listened to them and said, this isn't really what we're interested in. Can you go and re-record some of this and we'll have another producer come in and do it. Right. Make it a bit more boring. Yeah, make it much more boring. And these sessions are amazing. Really? Yeah. It's just, uh, if you could imagine the Rolling Stones with a horn section and backing singers. <laughs> okay, it sounds horrific. Well, okay, yeah. It may not be your kind of thing. <laughs> Um, and to be honest, it's not, you know, it's not really usually my kind of thing, yeah. but I like to hear what a band was actually going for. Right, 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 yeah. And that's what you've got on these sessions, and it's really good. Right. So I think if you have an interest in music and sort of musical history, uh, they are worth a listen. Right. Um, so as a point of information for listener, yeah, um, the point at which Andy C and I meet musically is the Pixies. Yes, it is, yeah. That's where we meet. We we meet at the Pixies. I think that's... And stuff like Faith No More, probably. Do you like Faith No More? Yeah, a bit... Uh, kind of. They're a bit poppy. Okay, yeah. So I think probably the Pixies is probably it. <laughs> Just the Pixies. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Pixies. Do you like PJ Harvey? I do, yeah. Oh, I love PJ yeah. Harvey. Okay. Yeah. The Pixies and PJ Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of music triv. <laughs> there you go. Bit of music trip. Uh, also, yeah, some movie news. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about um, Jennifer Kent's movie The Babadook yes, a little while did. ago on this podcast. Uh, she's got a follow-up to that, finally coming. It's like four years after The Babadook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Nightingale. Okay, is it related? Uh, story-wise? No, no. Okay, okay. So it's set in 1825 in the British penal colony of Van Diemen's Land, which is now right. Tasmania. Okay, okay. And the film follows a young convict woman seeking revenge for a terrible act of violence committed against her family. 
mm. which sounds I've re- I was reading about it in uh, a movie magazine today and it sounds very good indeed I like some revenge yeah it sounds like it folds in a revenge and sort of um, ethnic cleansing that was going on there mm. at the time as well mm-hmm. um, sounds very good so that's coming out uh, later this year in this country right. Um, What's it called? The Nightingale. Mm-hmm. So I should be looking forward to that. Is that going to be heavy? Or, I think it will probably know. be quite heavy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Um, in fact, looking at the... Uh, uh, it says it received heavy criticism following its initial screenings at the Sydney Film Festival, where approximately 30 filmgoers walked out of the theatre in disgust Right. One angry viewer was heard shouting, I'm not watching this. She's already been raped twice. Okay. Okay. Sounds bad. Yes. Uh, however, Jennifer Kent defended the decision to disp- depict such violence, claiming that the film contains historically accurate depictions of the colonial violence and racism that took place at the time. It sounds okay. like someone was feeling triggered. Um, right. prob- well, probably I can understand yeah. not wanting to watch something like that, but I can also understand feeling the need to depict something that yeah, something that, that should be should truth. probably be remembered as being a horrific act. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I, that sounds like I won't be watching it. Well, I think I will, and I'll talk about it on this pod. I <laughs> you can think. tell me about it. Yeah. And then, yeah okay. I can experience it that way. Yeah. Like listener, that's what we're here. That's for, what listener. we're here for. for. You to hear about films that you should know about. But probably but you will can't never bring watch. yourself to watch. <laughs> yes, or just yeah, or you can't sit through because they're too boring, or what you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is, we're here to help. <laughs> yeah, we should somehow market the podcast. I want to we be should like... rename it from the Good Robot Andes to um, films that you wish you'd watch but you can't, or, <laughs> or something that. What about no films that you'd like to watch but never will? Yeah, it's like a you know like um, programs on channels like. Um, really, which where the name tells you everything you need to know really? about the program. Really, uh, yeah, really. Is it though? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, podcasts probably need names like that so that people know to like listen to them. Yeah, that seems that seems should legit. be called yeah. two middle-aged white men. Two middle-aged white men waffling on about something. Yeah, Hang on, no. So far, twelve minutes. Wittering. Thirty-five seconds. Wittering. I think I think <laughs> Wittering's already been taken by another much more successful podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, speaking of which, I had a tweet read out on the weekend. Uh huh. Yeah. What was your What was your What was what podcast it, or radio program okay, was it? It was the Kermode Mayo podcast. Uh-huh, so they read uh-huh, it out on the radio. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, they do this. They do a thing about films. It's not really as good as this, but <laughs> no, it's terrible. No, it's it's you um, know they're just it, they're such amateurs. They have more reach. They have so. significantly more reach. Yeah. yeah um, they got, got. But I, uh, I replied to a. Uh, they always post on Twitter. I've been looking at Twitter again, but I've, I've mm-hmm. thinned mm-hmm. out my the people I've been following quite significantly. Right, that's a good idea. Um, so they always post TV movie of the week. So bad, it's bad. We want your comments. Mm-hmm. And I posted about Terminator Genesis. Genesis. Genesis quite like that. I posted. <laughs> It's a crime against humanity. <laughs> and they read it out. Nice. And nice. Uh, I was, as I was listening to it, my, uh, my daughter chose to come and talk to me in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And my son chose to start going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, okay, no, I'll just pause this and I'll listen to it again in a moment. Because I was hoping that they would say my name because, you know, we crave, mm-hmm. we crave attention. Yeah, that's what we're here and for. And they did. And I was like, hey, hey. And I went upstairs and said, they just said my name. <laughs> well done, Well you. done, me. Like going, you didn't get a plug for the podcast. It's like going to Big Toilet for the first time on your own. <laughs> <laughs> it was, your tweet wasn't, uh, it's a crime against humanity and listen to the good robot Andy's podcast. No, but I should have chance. put that. Although they didn't read out yeah. the whole tweet, it should be said. Curse them. So I, I did, what I actually put was, Terminator Genesis is a Genesis. crime against humanity Destroy all copies and fire them into the sun, is what I actually said. <laughs> but they didn't read well, it out. I quite that. enjoyed it. They didn't read it out. I liked Arnie uh, with his white hair. No, it's terrible. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm sorry, you're wrong. I could watch Arnie in anything except one of his comedy films. What, like Junior? Yeah. 
Junior's not bad. Oh, I mean, oh. Twins is Twins is pretty poor. Oh yeah, it's bad. Kindergarten Cop's quite poor. Yeah, I quite although like it's very, Last Action Hero. Although Does it's very count? quotable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last Action Hero is not great. <clears throat> I think it's fine and it, but my question is does it count as one of his comedy films in which case I have to admit that I like one no I think it wants to be meta and clever and fails mm-hmm. miserably on all counts really yeah I think it's just entertaining do you think so yeah mm. I mean I could watch him read the phone book badly <laughs> yeah if he read it well it wouldn't work out <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, normally on this podcast we talk about a film at some point. We do. I think we should start that now. Should we do that? So, uh, this is a movie called Mid-90s, as we said, what is mm-hmm, it, 15 mm-hmm. minutes ago? Um, mm-hmm. It is a 2018 American, so it's brand new, came out this year. Mm-hmm. No, last year. Last oh, hang year. on. That's, this year is 2019. It's actually sorry, nearly over. It was late last year, sorry. Sort of autumn last year. Okay, okay. Um, it is an American coming-of-age comedy drama film written and directed by Jonah Hill in his feature directorial, de- directorial debut. So he's, I'd say he's so mostly known a- as an actor, Jonah Hill. I thought, I thought I'd heard of him. Okay. So my, my summary was um, quite close. Yeah, fairly close. It's not a rom-com, okay. but it okay. is okay. It's definitely a that period kind of piece. Thing. Yeah. It's um, light, right? Uh, it's fairly mixed. I would say it's... When it says it's comedy drama, I'd say there's probably more drama than comedy. Okay, okay. But so it's not as light as I first. I think from that it's phrase. easy to pigeonhole this stuff. It's just about life, really. Okay, okay. It's a comedy. <laughs> right, I apologise. You just don't, you don't want to explain your art, okay? No, not really. Um, <laughs> and it stars uh, Sunny. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a run at this. Uh, Sunny Suljic, I think, is the name. Mm-hmm. Lucas Hedges mm-hmm. and Catherine Waterston. Mm-hmm. and follows a 13-year-old boy who begins spending time with a mostly older group of skateboarders while living in 1990s Los Angeles. Okay, Los Angeles. Was that a great skateboarding place? Uh, I think it was at the time, yeah. I mean, it probably still yeah, is now, yeah. but I think when I think of the 90s, I do think about skateboarding. Right, right, right. In terms yeah. of, you know, um, uh, in terms of a, uh, a zeitgeisty movement. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere mm-hmm. at that time. So there were like yeah. skateboarding games for the PlayStation and oh they were great yeah um, who was who was the big skater who put his name on those things Tony Hawk that's it yeah yeah Tony Hawks um, so it's set in nineteen ninety six which I think games. was a pretty good year in well good year pretty good year in the United Kingdom nineteen ninety six right um, so th- yeah. so thirteen year old Stevie. Uh, lives in Palms, Los Angeles, with his, with his abusive older brother Ian, and single mother Dabney. Now Ian is really mm-hmm. a piece of work in this. He's quite abusive and nasty. That's mm-hmm. an older brother, and single mother mum Dabney is doing her best, but is struggling with Ian, who is you know um, can't really be reasoned with. Although isn't abusive and aggressive towards her but it's very much so towards his younger brother Mm -hmm. Um, dad is not at all on the radar in fact he's never even spoken about Mm -hmm. Um, but one day Stevie bikes past Motor Avenue skate shop and admires the boastful camaraderie of the skateboarders outside and returns the following day Um, and when he goes home he trades with his brother um, for a skateboard which is like a really kiddie skateboard, mm-hmm. and brings it to the shop and befriends young skater Ruben, who introduces him to the rest of the group. Um, one of the one of <laughs> one of the group has a name that I can't read out on this podcast, mm-hmm. but maybe I will uh, when we stop recording. And um, one of them is called Fourth Grade. Okay. Uh, and although he's an inexperienced skater, Stevie is drawn to the group and aspires to imitate their daredevil behaviour and antisocial attitudes. So he's kind of looking for a peer group. Mm, he's looking for a big brother. He's looking for a big brother figure, or a fa- maybe not a father figure, but certainly a nurturing, older, slightly mm-hmm. older um, uh, person who isn't his mm-hmm. family, because his big brother's mm-hmm. just a complete jerk. Um, and the group nicknames him Sunburn during a conversation. Can't exactly remember why. I think maybe he gets sunburnt. 
Um, Could be. But Ruben, who is who is currently the youngest person in the group, he begins to resent Stevie because he feels he's being replaced as the, as the youngest kid mm. in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they are they're out doing stunts and things, and Stevie attempts a leap across an open section between two rooftops, he falls. He suffers a head injury, and his mum becomes concerned about his turn to his quite sudden turn towards recklessness, recklessness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stevie's already made his mind up, and he then steals some money from her, like $60, quite a lot of money to go and buy another skateboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a fairly tense standoff at home when his mum confronts both Stevie and his brother Ian to say, okay, I know there's money missing and it's all right. You can tell me that you did it. And there's a very long pause and he says, I didn't do it. Ian did it and just walks out. And uh, that, of course, causes a huge amount of retribution from his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but all this time he is becoming closer with, with the group and getting in, involved in, he's not getting involved in illegal stuff or anything. You know, they're not doing nasty stuff. They're just being slightly reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all comes to a head uh, later in the film when they're involved in a car crash and Stevie's quite badly injured. Um, and uh, the next shot we see him in hospital with his brother asleep in the chair behind beside him and his brother kind of quite tenderly touches his arm to see if he's awake and then gives him a drink and it's there that we see kind of like their relationship sort of change mm-hmm. from being this kind of abusive I resent you to this I actually I really want to protect you kind mm-hmm. of relationship um, and we then cut to the like the um, the waiting area in the hospital and all of his gang are out there sort of asleep on the chairs mm-hmm. and his mum comes in and she sees them there and this is after in an earlier scene that, that I'll skip back to she has she has quite a go at them in the film mm-hmm. and says look mm-hmm. I do not want my son hanging around with you I know mm-hmm. that I can't really control too much about this but I really don't want him hanging around with you. So I want you to discourage him. And they're like, you know, they give her quite a hard time about this. Mm-hmm. So she comes in she sees them and she stands there and she looks at them and then she makes a decision and she goes over to the nominal leader of the group mm-hmm. and just says, do you want to see him? And then they all go in and, mm-hmm. and see him. And it's at this point that the, the kid called fourth grade, who everybody kind of takes the mickey out of because he failed fourth grade at uh, at school. Um, or they say that he's got the intelligence of a fourth grader. You know, they kind of give him a hard time. Mm-hmm. But he's been filming everything throughout the summer on a mm-hmm. uh, camcorder. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, okay, take a look at what I've, what I've done. So he plugs this into the TV. And uh, it's really amazing uh, camcorder footage of them skating and, you know, getting up to pranks in the summertime. And uh, you can see that he's actually quite a talented filmmaker, mm-hmm. even though they all, they've all mocked him relentlessly through the entire movie. He's mm-hmm. actually quite a talented guy. Um, so that uh, that that closes the movie. Um, okay, so it's it's basically like everyone hates each other, and by the end, there's some harmony. And there's some harmony. You can see that his mum. It's kind of reconciled to the fact that he, she can't separate him from them, so she has to try and manage the situation. And that they're good friends and they care about him. They right? do, yeah, they do care about him. They all, they all, they all look out for each other, even though they give each other a hard time. And I think that's part of being mm. a boy, isn't it? Really. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Um, uh, this is, uh, I mean, also I forgot to mention. It's uh, it's presented in um, Academy ratio, so four three ratio. Oh wow! Um, which is pretty unusual for a mainstream, yeah. well, for a fairly mainstream movie. I mean, I'd say it's very modestly budgeted, but right. um, so that's unusual, and it sh- it looks like it was shot in the mid nineties. So 
Um, Hence why it's fourth. Not only is it called mid-90s, it looks like it's been shot on a camcorder, even though it hasn't been shot on a camcorder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's clearly been shot on decent equipment. Just yeah, just to be clear, I said uh, hence why it's four three, but of course, films weren't four three in the nineties, but TV was. Yes, TV definitely was. Yeah, and camcorders shot. What were films? Because films have got wider recently, right? Um, no, no, no. So, so some films are very widescreen, but that very widescreen is has been around for a long time. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh. So yeah, shot four three looks like it was shot in the nineties is light and breezy at times. At other times, it's a little bit harrowing, Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly the scenes where his brother beats him up because it really looks quite unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I think it's got a lot to say about, uh, you know, how young men can bond um, or how boys can bond together and sort of have a good time without getting into too much trouble. Um, and how he is desperately searching for a peer. He's well, someone to guide him really in life, because mm-hmm. he doesn't mm-hmm. have that at home at all. Um, I really liked it. It's been one I've been looking forward to for quite a long time. So why were you looking forward to it? Um, well, I, I mean, I was intrigued because uh, Jonah Hill is an actor who I quite What's like. He been in? Pardon. What's he been in? I'm just going to have a look at his um, filmography. Um, uh, New tab. (laughs) This is where man looks something up on the internet. Okay, so he has been in Superbad, which I haven't seen. Knocked Up, which I haven't seen. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I have. Uh, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. He was in Moneyball with Brad Pitt, which is pretty good. He was in The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I tried to watch that. Okay, I haven't seen that. Um, and as a screenwriter, he contributed to both Jump Street movies. A movie called Sausage Party, which is beyond reprehensible. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, but, uh, you know, obviously not. Um, oh, here's, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. He was born in 1983 um, to uh, a costume designer and fashion stylist and named Sharon Lynn and Richard Feldstein, a tour accountant for Guns N' Roses. There we go. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, there we go. So, yeah, mid-90s. You'll do something, I guess. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. Um, I, I did know that he was kind of a writer and producer as well, but this is his mm-hmm. directorial debut. Uh, right, so what did you like about it? I really... So far, it just sounds like a story well, where re- some things happen. I really liked his evocation of the mid-90s. Okay, okay. So it's got a good sort of uh, mid-90s soundtrack. Um, right. It's So was I on track with the... Um the thing about um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, like the texture of the time. Yes. Yes. It's got a texture. It's got a feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's very authentic without being uh, stilted. Okay. So it feels real. Uh, I think the decision okay. to shoot on 4-3 uh, ratio is a good one. Right. That is weird. It is weird, but it does work. Right. And in fact, you only notice it immediately at the beginning. You think, whoa, 4-3 ratio. And then uh, you just, it kind of settles down. Mm-hmm. Um, has an original score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who are busy guys with regard to soundtracks. Big fan of Trent Reznor. Yep. Um, Although his soundtracks are fine. No, I like his, I like I like his, his, I like his stuff for, his stuff he's done for David Fincher, like his stuff for um, Social oh, you Network. Mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't notice the soundtrack for Social Network. Yeah, it's it's very subtle. Yeah, I liked the soundtrack for the computer game Doom. Oh yeah, was that them? Which was, which okay. was Trent Reznor. Hmm. Um, was it Doom Two? I think it was Doom. So soundtrack wise, also has the Pixies. Yay! Wow. Uh, Morrissey, Herbie Hancock, mm-hmm. ESG, whoever they are. 
uh, <laughs> The Mamas and the Papas, Souls of Mischief, Nirvana, and various mm. 1990s hip hop music. Right. Yeah. I, like I think there's Nirvana. some um, Wu Tang Clang on there. Wu Tang Clang. Right. I've been uh, I've been trying to listen to Wu Tang Clan. Okay. I got their their classic album, The Thirty Six Chambers. Yep. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, and uh, I've been trying to get into it. So far, unsuccessfully. Oh. Because um, I listen to um, a fair bit of Ramesh Ranganathan's Hip Hop Save My Life podcast. Oh yeah. Which is recommended. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't turn you into a hip hop fan. It turns out. <laughs> I'm still trying. I'm still trying. Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so cool. Yes, it's so very it's slightly, good. It's very good. It's slightly making me think of. Oh well, now I can't remember the name of the film. The film with the creepy rabbit in. Oh, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Yeah, no. Because it's because of the period music and things. Okay, uh, yeah, that's probably the only not, thing that kind of okay. ties it together. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, but I think this film benefits from being set <coughs> in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. As it appears that the young boy in it is about the same age as Jonah Hill would have been in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. some of this is from personal experience. Um, Seems likely, doesn't it? Uh it benefits from that. I think any any film that benefits from being set before mobile telephones were massive is mm. a big deal. And mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know, if you've only got one person filming stuff on a camcorder, that means that their vision is kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Whereas these days, everyone would have their smartphone or drone or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what's those um, tough little cameras called? I can't remember what they're called now. Oh, what are they called? Um, GoPro. Oh, them, them, yeah, the GoPro, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people have got cameras everywhere and everybody's shooting something and everybody's the next mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg or mm-hmm. whoever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the, the... Today's filmmaker, you would say, everyone's the next Ryan Johnson or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is the young people want. The young people. What is it they watch anyway? Mm. The next Jonah Hill. The next Jonah Hill, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a great piece of work, mid nineties. Cool. Highly recommended. Cool. And what is it that um that how does it change your life? It's given me a new appreciation for uh I think a sort of reminder of how tough it is to be a young boy. Mm-hmm. Did you connect with that character? Yeah, in some ways. Yeah. Uh I mean not in the ways that I had an abusive older brother, because I didn't. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had a very happy home life when I was a kid, so that's not related at all. But I think the sort of um, it's set during the school holidays mm-hmm. in the summertime, mm-hmm. and I definitely related to going out every day, all day, mm. in the school holidays. That was something that I really used to in, you know, enjoy doing when I was a kid, mm. uh, and getting up to, you know, not getting up to the kind of hijinks that they get up to, but you know, sort of, I did a lot of. Um, uh, Cycling in the woods and making ramps and things like that, and mm. <laughs> you know, all good, wholesome fun. Yeah. It reminded me very much of that and how much fun that was. I played a lot of football on the green. Mm. I wasn't very good at football. My but, friends were in a football club. Okay. So they used to tease me. Yeah, <laughs> kids are kids are like psychopaths, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I actually got on with them and liked them. Yeah, and it's just gentle teasing anyway, presumably. People at school were really horrible. Yeah. That was miserable. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, adulthood has been much better, to be honest. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, yeah, it kind, it kind of... Rem- well, adulthood goes on a long time. It, so, yeah. it kind of reminded me of, of my childhood in a good way. Mm-hmm. Not in the sort of slightly dark, disturbing ways of the movie. Um, and mm. also reminded me what, how great the mid-90s were. Right. For music, particularly. Yeah, I mean... Um, so much yeah. good music from that time. I, I, I still listen to a lot of music from the 90s. Uh, yeah. Uh, because it was good. It, I'm worried that this is just uh, this is just a nostalgia film, then. Um, there is an element of that. I don't think there's anything to worry about, though. Is there anything wrong with that? No, yeah, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> but if the listen, if listener is... Um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what age our listener is. 
But if listener is a young person, mm. have we told them anything that would make them want to watch this film? Uh, Maybe they don't. Well, it's got it's got a lot of skating in it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the young people like, is it? Skating. Yeah, okay. they love they love skating. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That is mid nineties. <laughs> well, it sounds fun. It is fun. It doesn't. It's good. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound life changing to me. Uh, I mean, I don't. Does every film have to be? No, no, no. Of course not. Yeah, it does. No, no. Yeah. It's fun. It's good. Okay. It's light and breezy when it needs to be. It's moving when it doesn't need to be. It it does its thing and it's very good. Right, right. right. And yeah. you just liked it. Yeah, I just liked it, and I wanted to talk about. Fair it. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Indeed. It's making me think of a comic book. Comic book? Yeah, not any specific comic book, just... I don't know. Hmm. I'm just picturing it like that. So I'd, I'll just sign it off by reading a review from Variety, mm-hmm. which says, it's a coming-of-age tale that's unvarnished enough to believe. Says... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that a star like Jonah Hill built this movie from the ground up and did it with so much integrity and flair lends it undeniable hipster quotient. <laughs> <coughs> and writing for the Hollywood well, I didn't understand many of the words in that review. Writing for the Hollywood Reporter, John DeFore said, It's an emotional punch and should have seen this coming skill. It is more like Hill's Lady Bird a gem that feels simultaneously informed by its author's adolescence and the product of a serious artist's observational distance. That's one we should talk about, actually, is Lady Bird. Okay. Um, what, what is that? Well, we'll talk about it in a future pod. Okay. Yeah. But when they're using it like that, is that is that like another film that they're using as saying yes, someone so, else yeah, okay, so similar? Yes, so just, just briefly, because I would like to do a pod about Lady Bird, mm-hmm. but Lady Bird is uh, another directorial debut by... Um, uh, oh, it's gone. I've forgotten the name of the uh, the woman who directed it. I'm going to have to go and look it up now. That's terrible. So that's um. So they're using it as an analogy to say it's like it's like this person's debut. Yes. In that it's like got similar aspects. And Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, which came out in 2017. Uh. Stars Saoirse Ronan, and and it is an autobiographical film. So it, it is basically Greta Gerwig's mm-hmm. um, adolescence mm-hmm, uh, played mm-hmm. out in a movie. So yeah, I can see why they're making that comparison. But because it feels authentic, yes, and it's a coming of age. It feels mm-hmm. so. That sounds to me like it is indeed an authentic look at what it was like to grow up in Los Angeles in the nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. when you're about that sort of age. Um. Yeah, Lady Bird is fantastic. We should talk about that in a future pod. So where is um, Terminator set? LA. It is LA. Yeah. So that so when I'm imagining the the streets in that film, that's something close to. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'm not sure if all the, and the term- storm drains. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're all set in Los Angeles, but certainly the first one and the second one are both set in Los Angeles. And the famous storm drains and things, that's LA, right? That is. They've, they've been used in many movies, those storm drains. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. Notably in Point Blank, which I lent you. Well, I actually bought you Point Blank. Yeah, you did, thank you. Um, uh, Greece, the climax of Greece takes place in the storm drains of Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, the, the car that. race, yeah. Okay. Uh, and of course, yeah, as you said famously, with one of the most storming, storming chase sequences of I mean, T2 is just a oh. phenomenal movie, isn't it? It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a film where James Cameron just said, okay, we're going to shoot the hell out of this film. <laughs> we're going to do stuff that nobody's ever seen before. But we're also going to produce uh, an absolutely thumping action movie. Hmm. The Expanse has got a um, uh, uh, an alien creature in it that reminded me a little bit of the T-1000 oh, okay. in, in its liquid form yeah but it's many years later and it probably should look better than <laughs> yeah but how good was Robert Patrick in that movie who's that the T-1000 right, right was that, great in, in its in its policeman form yeah yeah really so good. good get out <laughs> yeah it's good it's good <laughs> 
yeah. That's mid nineties. That's our Terminator um, reminiscing. I've been recommending to my work colleagues um, the fall and rise of Reginald Perry. Oh, what a show! It's such a great show. Speaking speaking of old things that I highly recommend. Yes. <laughs> if you ever find yourself walking to work or taking a train to work or something, and you think, "Oh, I've just seen that that bit of wall too many times," mm-hmm. or something like that, um, yeah, have a go on uh, the fall and rise of Reginald Perry. Okay. Listener, I'm sure you've seen it already. It's uh, it's very good. It is good. Yeah. Enjoy that. So the fall and rise, then the rise and fall. Yeah, is that what the second one's called? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, the rise and fall. I always felt like it had jumped the shark a bit in the second series. Yeah, I, d- I don't really remember it that well. I just good, remember though. it being very funny in places. Yeah. And having it's running fun. jokes... Like the the farting chair yeah. and the yeah the farting chairs. The, the, it would always cut to a picture of a hippo when someone mentioned his mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The part of it that I really love is it 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 would open up with his daily commute and he would yeah say say goodbye to his wife and then walk along the same streets every day to the train station. Right. Yeah. And they'd always arrive the same number of minutes late into the office, but always for some different reason. <laughs> Which is what it's like when you commute. Yeah. Why, why bother commuting? <laughs> it's just a waste of time. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like a the office of its time in that it's um. It's kind of pointing at a a, a helpful finger at the meaninglessness of yes. working life. Meaninglessnessness. Meaninglessnessness. <laughs> um. <laughs> that is my that is my movie done, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, it was, there was quite a quite a random podcast this evening. Yes. Uh, do you have any plugging? I do. I've got a podcast feed called Movie Mashup. No camera guys, no gaps. Um, I think the most recent one is probably Ad Astra, but I have seen a couple of things since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I must update it. In fact, I've got the microphone here. I shall update it when I finish this pod. Do it. Mm. Give us a sneak preview of what you're going to talk about. Uh, Joker. Joker. Yes. Yes. Cool. Is that your plug? That's my plugging. Okay. My plugging. I made. I did make a new YouTube video. I know I've been promising it. Um, I made a YouTube video about dependency injection frameworks. That's a programming Ooh. thing. <laughs> um, and how I don't like them. Mm-hmm. But I, I was very concerned because... People on the internet and on the Twitters made a good point, I think, a while ago, which is that you shouldn't criticise technologies. In the same way that this podcast is not really interested in criticising films. Um, So I was quite sensitive to that, that I essentially wanted to make an attack video that said dependency injection frameworks are bad, and this is why. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did make it because I think that the points that I have are about how to you know be a good programmer or how to write good programs mm. um, so hopefully there's something in there that is positive and it's not just it's not just getting at people I'm sure that people designed and built dependency injection frameworks for very good reasons but I want to try and solve problems in a different way so I yeah. did that okay that sounds I think cool. it's a good video I mean I, I doubt very much that people would would do something like that purely for um selfish self-centered reasons they've done it they yeah. have indeed done it for a reason but maybe yeah maybe so i'm trying not to yeah. be an attack piece i'm trying to be um to explain uh you know the, the ways i think you should design things and in a way i'm setting setting that against another way of designing things that's that I, very progressive you know, of you that's what I'm because the internet do. is full of attack pieces yeah and i'm trying not to do that uh, and also, I'm I'm nearish making another YouTube video about uh, how I wrote the game Snake ah. in Kotlin JS. Kotlin is this exciting new language. It compiles to lots of things, including JavaScript, which means you can make web pages out of right. it. Right. So I made a Snake game that is a web page mm-hmm. in Kotlin JS. It was a pleasant experience, and I have this thing where I write Snake in a different language or technology, and then talk about what it seemed how it seemed when I did that oh. so I should be doing that with Kotlin JS okay that's cool 
So just hold your breath <laughs> and uh, wait, I don't know, three to seven I weeks. I can't do that. I can't hold my breath at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then I might possibly upload yet another YouTube video for you, dear listener. Okay. So if we've got any sperm whales, listen, that they can... Oh, no, it's the grey whale. The grey whale can hold its breath for an incredibly long time. Really? For three to seven weeks? Uh, I don't think it's that long. Okay. Um, but uh, certainly, if we have any grey whale listeners, they would certainly be thinking, yeah, okay, I'll hold my breath for a while. Okay. But not for that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an, this is an unlikely scenario that you're painting. But it could happen. Um, because, I mean, it could happen, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's that many grey whales listening to it. Uh, even popular podcasts, but, um, you know, okay, okay. Uh, I read an article, uh, it's unrelated to what we were just talking about, but again, I'm, I'm hijacking. <laughs> really? You, hijacking. you felt the need to change the yes. subject for some no, I reason. I do that all the time. Um, I was reading an article in New Scientist today mm-hmm. about the moon. Right. And this is something I'd never thought about before, mm-hmm. but because the moon is not geologically active, all of the craters mm-hmm. that are there are in exactly the same state that when they were created. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Copernicus crater, which is something mind-boggling, like 87 million years old, right. is in exactly the same state that it was right. 87 million years ago. It's, and there's been no wind. No or wind, no like geological yeah. action there. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just... I just thought my mind just went... That is amazing. Isn't that amazing? It's pristine, a pristine geological, not not a geological record. What is it? A pristine footprint, I suppose, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. of history. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. I thought that was really cool. So the um, the Chinese government is planning to send people around the other side of the moon. Yes, to have a look. To um, oh, what manned craft are they? Yeah, I don't think I don't know where they're going to land. They they are they are planning to send people to land on the moon. Mm. But I think one of the earlier steps is that they're going to send people around the back to have a look. Okay. See what's around it's there. It's not going to be good, is it? I mean, people have been round the back before, but really hardly any. Well, the Apollo missions went round the moon to slow down. Yeah. Yeah, so they a few people have been round the back there, but really not many. Yeah. No, not many. So all of the Apollo missions, and that's probably it, isn't it? There's, there's no other manned space missions have been to the moon. The Russians didn't send yeah, anything. Mean, yeah, there's been yeah the number of people who've been to the moon at all is pretty. It's low, pretty yeah. low. It's going to be like Ad Astra. It's going to be just a bun fight on the moon. Once we, once okay. humans get up there, it's just going to be a ridiculous mess. It's going to be like the Expanse. Yep. Yep. It's going to be exactly like that because you can't play nicely together. Well, in the expanse, they're um, uh, Earth and the Moon are very close. They they're basically considered one nation state, planet state, mm. um, and the vast majority of people on Earth have no job and no education. There's nothing for them to do. Wow, they're just kept alive with food handouts. Sounds horrible. And the Martians totally scorn them and think they're lazy and useless. Right, but the fact is, there's 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 nothing else to be done in a way. There's just too many people and not no, nothing to do. Not enough work. Yeah, not and yeah, not enough kind of resources to uh, you know to provide work. See, yeah. the thing is, There's, the way you're describing it sounds really good. It sounds interesting. But doesn't just it? the execution is, <laughs> just didn't work for me. The execution is patchy. Yeah. So the bit that I liked is. Uh, Miller, who is the detective who lives in the asteroid belt, which is like the underclass mm. area, and he's he's he works for the the police force, who are obviously privately owned by some Earth corporation. Mm. So he's like a betrayer of his own kind, but actually he's one of those people that holds society together. And like when he catches people doing like stealing water or something. He he kind of lets them off and warns them off, like don't mess with the rich folks type thing. Mm. You know, like he's trying to help people, but he's also like a betrayer of his own people. He's a really interesting character. But he's wearing um, that stupid hat. 
He's wearing a super hat. I just hat, don't. I, I like. mean, people don't wear those hats now. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, he gets so um, to me he gets criticism this is, for wearing this is that how hat I'm, in the program. This is how I'm thinking that played out when when they were doing the costume for this character. Is <laughs> he brought the hat in and said, "I think I should wear this hat." I think he should be wearing this hat. And they just said, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, whatever. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> and it, you think so? And that's one of the things that I'm talking about that's over-designed. Right, just, right, right, right. Honestly, this far in the future, nobody would wear a hat like that. It just doesn't make any sense. And it, The point I is, just, I just it saw that rain. and I thought, it doesn't work. It just it doesn't, doesn't rain on Siri because it's an asteroid. Exactly. And they live inside it. Why do you need to wear a so hat? So that's the point. That's why it's weird. It's like it's pointed out in the program that it's weird that he wears a hat. <sighs> it turns out it was given to him by... Okay, so um, I didn't get that far into it to get the explanation because I didn't care. <laughs> anyway, I like him. I liked him because he was compromised. And, okay. Um, I cared about whether he had a story arc where he, he began to um, try and do the right thing instead of just surviving. You know, that was... Sort of interesting. It turned out he just fell in love with a young lady, and that's what made, provided his character arc. Right. So. And then pretty his, so far two dimensional. Yeah, and she she got kind of consumed by the alien Borg thing, and so he finally met her because he never got to meet her when she was alive. But he finally met her, and she was like um, completely motionless. Held in this, um, in this like gooey, well, not cri- like crystalline mm. Borg thing. So she's like part of the crystalline Borg. Crystalline Borg thing. So she's completely naked, completely unable to move. And, uh, and this was how he met her. And at, at that point, I, was, I started to think, okay. Crystalline Borg thing. Crystalline Borg thing. <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crystalline Borg thing. I think I am Lacutus of Borg. I think we're probably we're probably done. Yeah, I think we might. <laughs> we're just rambling now. Cool. Well, this was a a huge amount of fun. Yes, it was for us. I'm Thanks sure listeners found it to be for incredibly us. annoying. <laughs> listen, listener, if you haven't unsubscribed from one of the other episodes. <laughs> then you're likely unsubscribed because of this one. But on the other hand, if you haven't unsubscribed because of the other episodes, well, this is pretty much to be expected where we'd end up. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Yes, thank you very much for listening.